Well, we're in a series on 2 Timothy, and um, we are in 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 13. And uh, just by way of review a little bit, of course, this is a, a letter that uh, Timothy, or Paul wrote to Timothy, a, a young preacher. Paul was in prison because he was preaching the gospel, but the gospel wasn't chained, even though Paul was. And so this was the last letter that uh, Paul wrote, not only to Timothy, but the churches, and instructing a young preacher um, just on his duties and reminding him who he was and who, what he's been called to do and how to remain faithful, uh, how to endure the persecution that was going to come. And so some of the things we looked at as, uh, as we've, Tim's been leading us in this, in this study is, first is hold it high, God's word, hold it high, guard it well, and then pass it on. And that was his instructions to Timothy. And then he also said, gifts are not automatic. If you don't fan it, it won't flame. How we have got to keep moving and fanning that flame, the gifts that God has given us. And then he wants to use us, but he is not dependent on us. If we're not willing to be used, God will use someone else. And strengthen your resolve. Be determined to do what God's called you to do. And you can't live a life committed to Jesus without paying a price. If you're a follower of Christ, there's going to be persecution. There's going to be trials and tests. How many can agree with that? You've faced those things, all right? And then courage is not possible apart from a strong biblical convictions that we have. We have to know what God's word says and what it says to us so we can pass it on. And then also, and most, one of the most important things is we have to realize is that there are forces that will actively try to steal the truth that you have. And you're going to have to fight to protect that. And we're seeing that in our day and now probably more than ever before. And so those are some things that we have to remember as we continue this study in Paul encouraging Timothy and all of those things. And so today we're going to be taking a look at some verses in chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. So if you have your smartphones or your Bibles, you can turn there and read along and we'll, we'll get to this. So first of all, he says, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And here's an early song that they used to sing in the church. We'll, we'll get to this in a minute and the meaning of it because it can be kind of confusing. But he says, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Well, there's a lot there, isn't there? Um, faithfulness is talking about God's faithfulness, talking about endurance, talking about his gospel and how that no matter if he was chained or not, he's going to continue on. And one of the reasons, of course, one of the, the main reasons that Paul in encouraging Timothy to continue in these things during the persecution, during the hard times, it really comes down to God's faithfulness to his word and to us. He's encouraging Timothy, remember Jesus Remember 
what he's done for you, and God is going to be faithful to you, Timothy, through all your trials and tests. Paul says, just like God has been faithful to me. We, uh, we had the privilege of going to Yellowstone um, a little while ago and did a 30, I think I told you we did a 30-day trip, a little over 6,000 miles. How many have been to Yellowstone? Just raise your hand. Oh, wow, quite a few. So uh, I was blown away. I'd seen pictures of Yellowstone, seen the, the buffalo who my grandson's still talking about every single day. Papa, tell me more stories about the buffalo every day because he saw a little buffalo skull that the wolf got, and so he, he replays that whole scenario over and over again. But uh, it just blew me away, not only the, the buffalo and the, and the bears and the beauty of the park, but the geysers that were there. And of course, what's the most faithful geyser in Yellowstone? And what do they call it? Old Faithful. And so, I mean, there are so many people. It's, it's, you know, you see a little crowd like that? No, there's thousands of people just waiting because Old Faithful is faithful. You know that it's going, that geyser is going to go up right on time. And so boiling water up to 100 feet into, 180 feet into the air. And, but Old Faithful doesn't get his, get its name for the heat or doesn't get its name for the height of the geyser. It's because it's faithful and how that it is going to burst forth out of the ground like that. And so people, uh, they put their watches by it. But the only problem is, is that Old Faithful hasn't been too faithful lately. It used to be you could count on it. You show up, oh, this is the time it's going to do it and everything else. It used to happen over the last 50 years. Uh, it hadn't really lived up to its name. It, it used to erupt every 60 minutes or so. You could count on it. They even put a little clock on there to show when the next one's going to erupt. And, but uh, now these days it only erupts like 17 times a day. So it's not really as consistent or predictable, predictable as it was at one time. So Old Faithful is even failing us. But um, uh, it's, due, you know, it's due to that, it's, it's like crazy. Here, here we are watching this steam come out of the ground and we're trusting that the volcano's not going to erupt because essentially the whole area is like a volcano, you know? So we're, we're putting our trust in that and the faithfulness that it's not going to erupt. So, but we put our confidence in things. And this is Paul, what Paul was telling Timothy, is you can put your confidence in Jesus. So we put our confidence in things that are faithful and that we know are dependable. You showed up last week because you were confident that the lights would be on. Well, it kind of got tweaked a little bit, didn't it? But we made some adjustments even in the midst of that. But there's all those things. We, we trust that, that uh, we're going to have a reliable car to get us somewhere, especially if we've got kids in the car, especially if it's 110-degree heat on, uh, out or something like that. I hopped into my truck last week, and the air conditioner didn't work. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Oh, I could roll down the windows, you know. It wasn't very comfortable. Long story short, I went to the parts store where they told me that they faithfully told me over the phone that they had the part. Well, I get there, guess what? They didn't have the part. And then he says, you know what? One of the mechanics told me was, is that if you just get underneath there, there's a resistor on your air conditioner uh, underneath the dash. He said, just tap on it. Sometimes it gets a little corrosion in there. I thought, now oh, this is crazy. I'm going to tap on my brand, uh, you know, nearly new truck and get under there with a hammer. Guess what I did? I got underneath it with a hammer and hit that thing. Guess what? It came on. It came on. It was so it's faithfully blowing air right now. I didn't even have the part yet, so we're back in business. But we put our our faith in those things that we can be confident in and that they're dependable. 
There's nothing greater than have, having a faithful friend. Nothing greater than having a faithful, faithful family members that come around us. We've, we've really experienced that in the last few months <laughs> in the things that we've been going through and, and uh, having death and, you know, so many things that have been going on in our lives. But when things aren't faithful and they seem to fall apart and things get, are kind of uneasy, then what happens? We kind of fear comes in. And so Paul writing to Timothy, he knew he was going to be facing these things, that it was going to be a turbulent time, but he was telling him, you can trust in the faithfulness of God. You can endure through these things because you can put your confidence in God's faithfulness. So we believe that God is going to be faithful, but it's sometimes really hard when life takes a turn and pulls the rug out from underneath us, and all of a sudden we're experiencing suffering, and we're discouraged, and we're in despair, and we're wondering, God, do you really know what you're doing up there? Um, and I just feel terrible for even doubting that you know what you're doing up there. And so we go through all this uh, suffering ourselves and putting ourselves through things because sometimes we doubt God's faithfulness. But look what Paul is telling Timothy in these circumstances. Not only is Paul experiencing, but Timothy, he knows Timothy is going to experience. First of all, he says this, remember Jesus Christ. You think, well, do you really think he's going to forget Jesus? But he tells him that. He says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. So he said, remember Jesus Christ. I, I watched this movie called The, uh, the Elephant Queen. And it's about... Uh, this film about Athena, this, the herd's matriarch, and she's trying to protect her herd when they were forced out of the water hole that they were so faithfully going to, and they couldn't no longer go to that water hole. They had to move. And so the, she led this tribe of elephants, her family, 200 miles. Can you imagine walking 200 miles at the pace of an elephant? 200 miles to the next water hole. So they said, well, how did she find the next water hole? Well, the reason she could find that is because she remembered the way because right in front of her was this well-worn path that had been passed down through the generation as they would migrate to these different water holes. And all she had to do was keep her focus on that path. And she knew that that would faithfully take her to that next water hole. So think about that image just for a minute as these elephants are walking along there. And think about how that Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you're not, you're not blazing this trail by yourself. You're not the only one walking down this path. There's been one that walked before you, this well-worn path. So remember Jesus, that he has gone through the suffering, gone through the things that you're going to do and what you're going to go through in your life. So remember Jesus. So what about, what do we need to remember about Jesus? And what do you think the context of what Paul was talking about? Well, of course, he was talking about Paul's in prison. He knows he's going to get executed. He knows that there's going to be persecution coming. So he's telling Timothy, remember what Jesus did and how he suffered for us. That he remember how Jesus walked that path of suffering how that he bled for us, how he died upon the cross for all mankind, and that whoever trusts in the suffering of Jesus upon the cross can have eternal life. 
and remember that God raised and God was faithful to raise Jesus on the third day after all of that suffering and now he's glorified at the right hand of God. So he's telling Timothy, Timothy, be faithful, endure. Jesus went through this path, but look what happened after it all was culminated in the end result. Jesus was exalted and lifted up and he's saying, Timothy, there's a future for you, but you're going to have to go through a path of suffering. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm not going to read all of it. It's the, the, the roll call of the heroes of faith, those who have gone before us. And so I don't know about you, but it's helpful for me to know that there are those that have suffered and gone through things. One of the greatest things for me is, is, is when, you know, going through trial, trials and tests, especially maybe grief in my life, is somebody coming alongside and say, guess what? It's going to get better. It's going to be all right. God's going to see you through this. A faithful friend. I've walked this path before. And maybe they guide you through that. Can you relate to that? How hard it is when you walk alone and there's no one there to encourage you. So we need that faithful friend. We need to be reminded and remember that Jesus walked that path before us. He took the path directly to the cross and the promised Messiah, like I said, the offspring of David, led him to torture and crucifixion. And so anytime that we are going through suffering in our own life, anytime we're going through things in our own life, that we're in good company because Jesus is the one who put that rut right before us so we can just say, all right, Lord, I'm going to follow you even to the foot of the cross. Amen? So Paul followed that path that Jesus blazed and it led him to a prison in Rome. I mean, who would have thought? <laughs> I mean, the omnipotent God, the omniscient God, the uh, omnipresent God, I would, if I was God, I would say, and if I was in that situation, God, really, this is... How you're going to spread the gospel is that I'm going to be locked in a dungeon in chains. That's not exactly what I would think would be the best way to do it. But get, how many know God's ways are not our ways? He takes the foolishness of men and just, it's like, whoa, and turns it around. And so this is what he did with Paul in, in prison in Rome. Eventually he knew he was going to die there. He was in chains there like a criminal, chains like a criminal, but he didn't worry about it. He did not fret about it. He didn't say, oh, what, what's going to happen now? He just continued being faithful. What did God called him to do, even though he was chained because he knew the exact outcome of the path or the, where his life was going to end up. So every time you share in the suffering of Jesus, remember that you're taking the same path that Jesus did. You're in very good company. And remember that that suffering ultimately has a beautiful end, a path of glory and honor. So why endure? Well, the first reason is, is because someone else has led that path and taken that path before us is Jesus. And then number two, this mission and what Paul is telling us, telling Timothy is this mission that we are on, this thing that we're doing for God, it is absolutely unstoppable. And I think we need to hear that as the church today, don't we? Especially the things that we're seeing in, a, in our country, we're seeing around the world. We're saying, oh, you know, Christianity is going down the tubes. There's people that are de deconstructing. They're leaving the faith. Guess what, friends? God's church will still be built. It is unstoppable, and his word is unstoppable. Amen? And so this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. This thing we're doing, it is unstoppable. Even though it looks bad right now, it looks like things are really going down the tube, 
he says, this thing is unstoppable. Hold on. <clears throat> now, I hate to remember this. Um, I'm, a, I'm a 49ers fan. Any 49ers fans in here? Well, there's a few. Any Cowboys fans? Ah, even fewer. Ha, we know where we're at. We're in 49 country right here. Yeah. But the Kansas City Chiefs, any Chiefs fans? Oh, there's one. Yeah, okay. There you go. Uh, the Super Bowl a few years back, I remember it well. It seems like it was about 20 years ago. But the 49ers came out in the third quarter. They had just scored. Look at that. That's them. The, the Super Bowl is all wrapped up. Looked like they're going to win it. The Chiefs were down 20 to 10 with only about eight minutes remaining. It's like we were celebrating. I remember I was high-fiving my son, everybody around there. Man, the Niners are doing it again. Yes, we're winning the Super Bowl. With eight minutes left, there's no way Kansas City's coming back. They came back with 21 unanswered points to steal the victory. I mean, I hate to even show that slide, but there it is. They set all kinds of NFL records in a four-week span, double-digit wins. And I was remembering that with the eight minutes, seven minutes left. It's like, man, we're going to win. Ah. I know what I know what Mahomes can do, you know, and all of a sudden they turn it around and boy, they won it. And but I mean, who wouldn't have wanted to been the 49ers with nine minutes left? Well, that'd be great. I mean, we were I was happy and everything else, and the Niners had it locked up. But the Chiefs ultimately won. And they won the Super Bowl. Now, who would you rather be down mid-game if you knew who was going to win the game at the end? I'd rather be the Chiefs. If I knew that, hey, we're, this is locked up. We're unstoppable. I don't care what the 49ers do. They could celebrate all they want in the end zone, do all their antics and everything else. We're wrapping this thing up because we know what the score is going to be at the end. Of course, they didn't know that, but wouldn't it have been great? But that's exactly what the attitude, what Paul had. He says, I'm locked up here in a prison. But I know that Caesar's on his throne right now, not right now. And I know that I'm going to have to go stand before him. And it looks like Caesar's got everything under control. And Rome's just doing great. And Christians are being persecuted. And so it looks like, man alive, Rome's going to win. We got, they got this locked up. Caesar's got to win. He's going to be touted as the greatest emperor of all time. Put down the Christian rebellion. Got rid of that Jesus guy and everything else. And then Paul's just saying, it doesn't matter to me. I'm bound in chains as a criminal here. I'm, I'm not, not only a criminal, but an insurrectionist. It wasn't like your everyday criminal for petty crime. He was considered an insurrectionist. Not your Garden Valley, Garden you know, variety criminal. This was big time. He was a Roman citizen. The insult even more to that is he really should not have been there being a Roman citizen. He could have sat there and complained about it. He could have sat there and said, oh God, you know, what are you doing? How are you going to work this thing out? But he didn't do that. And this is what Paul said. Look what he says. He says, but God's, I may be chained, but God's word is not chained. He says, therefore, because of that, in other words, that therefore comes in there for a reason. God's word is not chained. In other words, I know what the end of this is going to be. Nothing can chain God's word. I may be here, 
But God knows what the outcome is. And he says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So he's saying, I, it doesn't matter if I'm chained, God's word's not chained, and this message that we have is absolutely unstoppable. Go ahead and imprison me. Go ahead and beat me. Go ahead and talk about me. Go ahead and persecute me. Go ahead and put illness on me. Nothing is going to stop me from what God has called me to do because his word's going to continue and nothing can stop that word. There's nothing you can put me in prison. God's word cannot be in prison. And that's the word to us today. We can be persecuted. We can look like Christianity's going down the tube and everybody's denying it. And the, the media says that, you know, the church is failing and people are leaving the church. God's word is going to continue. God says he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So remember, if you're a 49ers fan, <laughs> the Chiefs are still going to win. Remember those in the world that are mocking and saying, oh, look at those crazy Christians. Guess what? God's still going to win. He still is. And that's what Paul was encouraging Timothy. One of the greatest examples of this is a church in China right now. China's been in the news a lot lately, especially with our dignitaries going over in that neighborhood. But Christianity came to China from a guy named Robert Morrison, a missionary with the London Missionary Society in 1807 who translated the Bible, uh, the first one that translated the Bible into the Chinese language in 1819. And 200, 200 years since then, Christianity in China has gone through trial after trial. They've tried to knock it down. They've tried to stomp it out, including the, the Taiping Rebellion in 1850 to 1864. They tried to persecute so many killed, so many Christians, Mao's revolution, the Communist Party that, of course, is still in power from 1948 to the present. And the thing that is remarkable and amazing, it's, but instead of putting down the church, the church in China has exploded. There's revival in China. You see, God knows what happens when those who try to stop his word, the unstoppable word, by trying to chain it up, by trying to stomp it out, by trying to dismiss it, it's, there's nothing that they can do to stop it. Even in China, it only advances because of it. So Paul's saying, why endure? Number one is because we're taking the same path that Jesus has taken us. It's because his word is un unstoppable. And there's one more motive, and this is when we come to the last part of this song, actually a Christian hymn that uh, Paul shares with him. And this is a faithful saying. This is something that, you know, like we have one of our favorite songs that we sing. This evidently was circulating through some of the churches. And so this is a, you know, when you come to this section of scripture, have you ever read some scripture and you kind of go, oh, I don't get that. Yeah, like every day. <laughs> well, this is one of those portions of scriptures, man. I tell you what, it's, it's, it's not an easy read. It's not easy to, if you, if you don't know the context, if you don't know the culture, if you don't know how to cross-reference the three C's, I always say, context, culture, cross-reference, culture, context, cross-reference. You can't build a doctrine or a belief on something that is maybe mentioned in one place, but it's not mentioned in the whole of Scripture. You've got to take the body of Scripture. And so it's very easy with this particular, this is just a song that was circulating that Paul reminds him of it to kind of get messed up on this thing. So he says, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, 
we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. Now, stop right there. How many of you are just going, whoa? <laughs> That's a tough one. If we are faithless, faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. So it's kind of like, wait a minute, you're saying one thing here, you're saying something else over here. So how do, we, how do we get to this? So he says it is a faithful saying. Again, this was like a Christian hymn that was going out through the day, kind of like Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. That was, this was a hymn that was going on. They'd sing in the churches. So first of all, it says, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. So this, this song begins with a promise of the resurrection. If we die, we know that we will also live with him. So there's a couple of ways the Bible talks about us as believers dying. The first one is, is kind of common to all of us is if, how many have been baptized in here? Just raise your hand. Just wave it, you know, most everybody. So, you know, if you went through baptism class, if you went through and had it explained to you, you know that the baptism doesn't save you. It's an inward symbol of an outward work. It's showing what Christ actually has done and we're identifying with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. And so Romans 6, 3, and 5, if you went through our class here, we go over the scripture, it says this. Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. For if we have been united with him, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So baptism, it was when we, we celebrate, I mean, we clap, we, we, we're excited for those who have entered into baptism because it's, it's our old life is gone. Our old life is totally wiped away. We're buried with him. Our old way of thinking is buried with him. Now we're raised in newness of life. We have resurrection life and the promise of eternal life. And so we can experience that life after death experience when we enter into baptism. The other way that the Bible talks about entering into the death is, of Christ is through suffering. And this might have been what Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, he knows what his outcome is. Probably what Timothy's outcome is, is through martyrdom. He knew that most likely he was going to die under Nero's sentence. And he knew Timothy probably was too. And he was saying, we can endure this and we can, because God is faithful. If we died with him, we will also live with him. So he's saying, Timothy, even though they can kill me, even though they can put me to death, I know that I will live again. And we can take confidence in that. We're not going to live forever on this earth. <laughs> Some of you are saying, I'm ready to go right now. <laughs> One thing um, that uh, the last couple of weeks have been tough for us is, is uh, my father-in-law, Al, um, I've known him since I was 16 years old, stole his little girl. <laughs> she was 15, I was 16, ended up getting married together, but uh, married a couple years later, two and a half years later. Um, he had to sign for, we had started having kids five years later, um, but uh, the one thing that man told me, he says, you know, he says, I, Jeff, I never had a son. I've got three daughters. He says, but I consider you my son. Can I call you son? And he did. And he had, we had the privilege of taking him, taking him on this trip with us uh, of um, 30 days. And he was always just, he, 
you know, I just don't want to be a bother. I don't want to be a bother. And dad, you know, bother you. Everything's fine. You know, everything's good. And, and um, Al was a prayer. One thing that was faithful about Al is, man, he, he would pray. Uh, we, we were on a storm coming out of Montana, you know, the Yellowstone. After We got there the week before the big storm hit. And so we're, we're driving through up to, out to South Dakota, and there's big storm clouds everywhere. And Al's in the back. He says, I just take authority over the storm. I take authority over the rain clouds and everything else. I'm just kind of like, Al, do you really think? And I'm, 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 I'm doubting. I'm like, I've prayed for weather before. It just never works out my way, you know. And so, you know, and so we went through and we got a little rain on and he's giving all glory to God because we didn't have the hailstorm that, that was around us with the size of softballs that were coming down or whatever it was. So then we get to one park and we're there and, and we put the wash in the washer. Kelly's down there. I'm saying, man, she's down there for a long time. What's going on? And sure enough, the wash had been washing for like an hour and a half. And I'm saying, well, what's going on with this thing? It kept starting up. She says, it keeps going down to seven minutes, and it won't, it won't go past seven minutes, and it's going back and forth like that. And this is like four or 6.30 in the morning. The office doesn't open until 9. There's nothing we can do. we got clothes in there. We're getting ready to take off to Oklahoma City. What's Al do? He says, I'm, let me just pray. Lay his hands on the washing machine. <laughs> Al's Pentecostal. Start speaking in tongues over the washing machine. Okay, and so um, he just, he believed, it was a prayer. He was faithful in his belief. He just absolutely was. And um, <laughs> the washing machine didn't start. I, I, I hate to say it, we had to, I tried to unplug it, do everything else. Finally, they came and opened it up. And he gave all glory to God because guess what? We got that washing machine, that key worked that they put in there. <laughs> He's just positive about everything, man. That's all there was to it. God was just, he says, I, he says, he says, son, you know, I've just, I just got to pray about everything. He says, I just go to bed, I'm praying, and I just, got, I just believe God for everything in my life. And, and I just respected that so much. And, and then uh, he ended up going on a trip. We got back and ended up, he said, I had the time of my life, never seen country like that. Thank God. And God saw us through and, and moved the storms and everything. Yes, he did, kind of. You know, but he had that positive attitude about everything. And I was like, that is awesome. Well, then he decided to go on a trip by himself and, and took his, uh, his truck that he bought and his, motor, his little travel trailer. And he made it all the way, all the way to uh, back to Winnemucca. And the last thing he said to, uh, I think I told you this, but I'm, I'm going to tell you again if you didn't hear it. Last thing he said to uh, his niece in Idaho was, is I'm just going to go spend a couple days alone with the Lord and see what God's got in that for me next. And so he, he got it to Winnemucca. Last day, he's going to leave at 7 o'clock, very punctual. And um, he, he was outside putting things away, and, and God took him home. And he, he, he passed away right there. His, his heart just finally gave out, and God took him home. But the last entry on his calendar of all the trips and everything that he'd done, the last day on Thursday on the 21st was just home. That was it. So he went home. And so... Why do I say all that? I say all that to say that we're never going to live forever. We don't know what their day is, but how are we going to live our lives? I looked, I looked up back on that man. I can't wait to do the memorial service. It's going to be awesome. He faithfully served God. He had his ups and downs, but he faithfully was an example of endurance and believing God and a great example for his family. He was someone that could be trusted. 
and someone that was very much loved. And so Paul is encouraging these that are going through these things. He's saying, you may have to go through a martyr's death or it may just be your faithful till the very end whenever God decides to take you and it may be today. So keep enduring, keep moving on. But God is faithful. If we die with him, we will also live with him. And I know that Al's living with him right now. Amen. It says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. And some of the songs we talked about, thank you, Ted and team, um, talking about endurance and perseverance. Um, a lot of times we think that endurance is dependent upon us. Boy, I just gotta, I gotta endure because if I don't, then God's gonna cut me off. Well, this isn't anything what it's talking about here. It says um, basically that the song assures that the faithful believer is going to receive an eternal reward. If we endure, we will also reign with him. The Bible talks about if we if we continue on in our faith if we use the gifts and talents that God has given us that we're going to receive a reward in heaven amen and so it says he's preparing us right now how to reign with him forever and forever and so he's saying endure and we'll reign with him endure we'll reign with him and so the Bible says that he, our future destiny is dependent upon how we live our life here. Now, I don't know if somebody's going to have a bigger mansion than somebody else. Somebody else. I'm just happy to get in the door, somebody told me. And just give me a double wide or a single wide. Somewhere. You know, it's, I think there's a song somewhere in there. But it says we're going to reign with him. So that's what he's talking about in this verse. And then it says, this is, a, this is kind of the tough one. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Well, I, I, if I, somebody told me, that says, you know what, when I, when I sin, they, they take a scripture out of context, and especially the one in, in Hebrews chapter, chapter 6 where it says it's impossible to renew those who, who sinned and, and tasted the heavenly gift and to, they, there's no more repentance for them. If you take that verse out of context, guess what? We're all lost, okay? And in Hebrews 11, it says if we willfully sin, how many sins are your sins or will? How many think your sins, you just, I just made a mistake. No, we willfully sin. It's if you take that out of context, you're in big trouble, just like this verse. All of Hebrews is really write, writing about to those who are putting their faith in the law, putting their faith in the whole way of doing things, following the law and ceremonies. And if you don't, if you turn away from that, having understood that there's no other way of repentance. Jesus is the only high priest. He's the only sacrifice for sin. If you willfully turn away from that, where are you going to turn? God accepts nothing else but that, his son. So you've got to take it in context. And same with this. This song warns those who deny Jesus that they themselves will be denied. Now I'm going to read a commentary by one of Tim's favorite authors and pastors, Chuck Swindoll. Okay? Loves Chuck Swindoll. Part of this study is out of, out of uh, Chuck Swindoll's uh, study on First and Second Timothy. And this is what he says in this verse. So I have the authority of Chuck Swindoll here. Persecution has a way of separating genuine believers from imposter believers. And this is, of course, this is the context of what Paul is writing to Timothy. Persecution, trials, tests. Those who are trying to endure under suffering. A lot of people were joining churches or being a part of churches and they were infiltrating the churches just like he wrote to the Galatians. He said, I, they weren't really of us. 
They said they were, they really weren't. And this is what it's talking about in this verse. He says, persecution has a way of separating genuine believers from imposter believers. Imposters will deny Christ and forsake the gospel before suffering for someone in whom they do not genuinely believe. Those who deny him are not in Christ and never were. Therefore, those who are truly his people need not worry about cracking under torture and then losing their place in heaven. But you say, Jesus said this in Matthew 10, but whoever denies me before men, well, I will also deny him before my father in heaven. And what we're saying is, and what Chuck Swindoll says, there's both views on both sides of this, but the majority are on this side. This is what I believe. No true believer, if they truly understand the gospel, will deny Jesus Christ. Because they understand there's no other sacrifice for sin. There's no other way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. They've come to that experiential knowledge, not only the experience, but the evidence and the facts of what the gospel brings to their life. And they say, where else can I turn? Where else is there to turn? How could I deny him when he is the only way and my only assurance of salvation? And so this is what the context is here. And then... The next one, it says this, if we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he, re, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. And there's another one. Anybody go, uh, listen to Chuck Swindoll one more time. Great preacher. He says this, and then we'll wrap this up. If any of the previous three statements cause undue stress, the fourth should restore our confidence. While the Bible repeatedly calls for Christians to endure to the end and warns against apostasy, the genuine believer can rest in the faithfulness of Christ. Everybody said amen. When we fail, he will succeed. Where we fail, he will succeed. When we lose confidence, become disillusioned, falter in our walk, or fall morally, Jesus Christ will be faithful to carry us through to the end. When God promises to save someone and offers him or her the assurance of eternal life, he cannot go back on his promise without violating his own nature. Is that good right there or what? He cannot go back on his word. He is holy. He cannot lie or break a promise. A believer's endurance becomes a matter of personal honor to him. And so when someone says to you, well, you, you know what? You can lose your salvation. You know, you're, you're not secure. You know, you're doing this, you're doing that. It is a matter of God's personal honor to secure your salvation. If it was dependent on you, oh my gosh. But we say, it's, well, that's just easy grace. There is nothing easy about the grace of God because the grace of God bled and died upon the cross. It's unmerited favor. And that's where it says, well, we remain, when we're unfaithful, he's going to remain faithful to his word. He'll remain faithful to his word. I know that's really tough sometimes to comprehend but it's because we just don't believe what God actually says. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12. It says, this is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet for this is, this is no cause for shame because he says, I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced there is nothing greater than when you are convinced of who you are in Christ and what Christ has done for you. 
If you're walking in doubt of your salvation today, of your purpose in God, I tell you what, it, it can be a fearful thing. But Paul said we can be convinced of it. And he says, I am convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until when? Until that day. He says, it's not up to me. I believe God is going to guard what I've entrusted to him. He's going to hold me. So what kept Paul going in prison? What keeps us going in our life? What keeps us going when things are hard and tough in us? It is absolutely God's faithfulness. Paul said, I am convinced of his faithfulness. Oh, faithful, not be maybe not so faithful anymore. The car may break down. Family members may desert us. All of those things, but Paul's saying to Timothy, as he is chained, God is faithful and his word cannot be changed. He cannot change. So put your trust and you will be able to endure if you put your trust in the faithfulness of God. So are you, this morning, are you convinced of his faithfulness? Are you like Paul and saying, no matter what I go through, no matter what I face, no matter what I'm grieving, no matter if it's not working out, if that person deserted me or, or upset me and, and turned their back on me and they, they didn't like my Facebook post, whatever, <laughs> all that, are you going to faithfully continue to endure because he's faithful? Are we just looking to, to live out our lives and and grow more prosperous? Or are we like Paul and saying, I remember what Jesus did, and that's the path that I want to follow. It may be involving suffering. It may be involved temptation. It may be involved se separating yourself from some people that are toxic. It may be involved standing up on a job or maybe losing a job because of your faith. It may involve all those things. Will you endure through those things? because of his faithfulness to you. That time's coming. And Paul was saying to Timothy, your mission's unstoppable. God is faithful to his word. He'll guard it. Well, I'll hold it high. I'll guard it. And I'm going to pass it on. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Why don't we all stand together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning that you are faithful to it even when so many things around us seem to lose their faithfulness. We don't know really if we have solid ground on so many things, but God, the one thing that we can put our faith in is in you. And we thank you for summing us, summing us, summoning us to us this mission that really matters, enabling us to answer the call and spend our lives on something that will matter for eternity. And Lord, I think of that prayer by an old preacher, George Whitfield. It said, Lord, when you see me in danger of nestling down, nesting down, just put a thorn in my nest. So Lord, we just pray that this passage that we've been in this morning, that if we're just settling down, if we're feeling like giving up, if we're feeling like just kind of, ah, forget about church, forget about serving, God, may you just put a thorn in our nest. And help us to live faithfully serving you. And Lord, by your grace, may we endure because we know one day we'll reign with you, Lord Jesus. So we give you all the praise, all the glory, and the honor for your word today. Help us to be faithful followers of you this week. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. 
More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.